Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. And the reason we started it was that during one NDA, a whole project that lasted kind of six to nine months, we uh, we created an audience of around 10,000 lawyers globally. But we realized that there was more appetite for not just standardization, but collaboration between peers in the legal industry, because it's not really something that we do. In order to share knowledge, we have to either pay for it or we have to uh, go to a conference that, again, we have to pay for. Whereas if you look at other industries like the software industry, for example, things like GitHub or Stack Overflow are staples in that industry. And they're platforms where people come to collaborate and work together to solve common problems. And in an increasingly complex regulatory landscape, lawyers just don't have the means to just chat with each other and to share knowledge. Uh, or mm-hmm. to work on projects that are going to help further the profession. So we started mm-hmm. Stack because we wanted to turn our audience into a community. Contracts are broken. They're too long, they kill deals, and they take up a whole load of time for the legal team, the business, and your counterparties. The result? The process is either super slow, the deal doesn't get closed, and relationships become damaged and strained. Working in the contract tech space, it obviously kills me to see this happening all too often. Contracts present real business value and they open the door to new opportunities. That's why I, along with many others in the industry, are super excited to hear about the launch of a new legal community platform. Following on from the success of One NDA, a community-led standardised NDA initiative, Electra Duponis and her team decided to launch a platform where lawyers can come along to collaborate on common standards, share knowledge and access templates for free. Enter ClauseStack. Let's hear from Electra. Hi Electra, thank you for joining us on the podcast once again. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, well, I thought we it'd be good to to catch up because I know you've been you've been super busy and you've got a lot going on, but something in particular that we're hoping to to chat about today. Um, so I know in March uh, you were very busy and you had an exciting launch. Would you be able to to tell us about Clawstack, please? Yeah, sure. So we launched Clawstack on the sixteenth of March, and Clawstack is a uh, standardization focused legal community platform. And the reason we started it was that during one NDA, the whole project that lasted kind of six to nine months, we uh, we created an audience of around 10,000 lawyers globally. But we realized that there was more appetite for not just standardization, but collaboration between peers in the legal industry, because it's not really something that we do. In order to share knowledge, we have to either pay for it 
or we have to uh, go to a conference that, again, we have to pay for. Whereas if you look at other industries like the software industry, for example, things like GitHub or Stack Overflow are staples in that industry. And they're platforms where people come to collaborate and work together to solve common problems. And in an increasingly complex regulatory landscape, lawyers just don't have the means to just chat with each other and to share knowledge uh, or Mm -hmm. to work on projects that are going to help further the profession. So we started Mm -hmm. ClawStack because we wanted to turn our audience into a community and um, we kicked that off on the 16th of March, as I said. We've already got nearly 700 members, which is crazy. And today we launched, I know, um, we just launched one DPA as well, which is a project on ClawStack. And uh, yeah, it's been a busy time. Yeah, um, honestly, it's very impressive and the, the things that are <laughs> happening. And the, the it sounds like the response that you've had has been incredible as well. A lot of demand there. Yeah, I think I think there is demand for just a place where we can come together rather than work in mm-hmm. silo. Yeah, especially I'm thinking, obviously, I've got a bias towards in-house, uh, in-house lawyers, but the it just feels like it's such a great idea, especially perhaps if they're solo in-house lawyers or really small legal teams to have that kind of knowledge in a network that you can easily access or kind of collaborate with with other people to, to improve what you're doing just is one, super, super helpful, but two, also just a little bit more fun and engaging and I imagine it'll create a lot more fulfillment for a lot of people, to be honest, um, especially maybe in smaller, smaller legal teams. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's hard when you're a small, when you're a small team or you're a solo, solo lawyer in an organisation. You just don't have the infrastructure or the support. So this is hopefully somewhere that people can come to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And what does Clause Stack look like if I were to go onto Clause Stack, Stack um, say as an in-house lawyer? What are the kind of areas, and, and what can you get involved with? Yeah, good question. So the first thing is the about section, and that explains the philosophy behind Clause Stack and why we think it's needed. Um, you then have projects, and that's where you can uh, go to participate in open projects like 1DPA. We're not the only ones that are going to run projects on Clause Stack. We're already talking to organizations that want to run their own projects. So hopefully there'll be lots of other people that are running their own standardization initiatives on the platform. And what we've done within the projects um, part of the of the site is um, we have built tools and processes that basically scale up the process that we used with One NDA. So we think that with One DPA, whereas One NDA took us six months to do, we think that One DPA will take us six weeks to do. So that creates a much more scalable framework for more standardization initiatives, and hopefully. You know, once once uh, ClawStack becomes mainstream, then you'll have lots and lots of documents that can go and live in the library, which are open source and free for the public to use. So the project space mm-hmm. is where you go to collaborate on open projects. And then once a project is finalized, the end document, if you like, will go and live in the library, which is the next section on ClawStack. And the library is basically... Uh, a folder, if you like, of lots of free templates that are being that are being called standards. We already have more templates on there, not just one NDA, but there are other templates on there as well. So check it out; they're all free to download. Um, and then we have a section for news and events. So um, we're trying to 
we're trying to collate all the legal events that are going on in the industry for people so that they've got somewhere to go and register and find out more about them. Um, and th that's, how the, that's how the platform works. And what, obviously, you spent a long time working on uh, one NDA as well. So what kind of sparked the idea for, for Clause Stack almost and, and why is it needed now? Yeah. So when we were doing one NDA, we were surprised at how much time people were giving the project. So we wanted to understand a bit more about their motivation. So we, we, we conducted this survey and we asked um, the one NDA community, why are you involved in this? And about half of them said, because we really hate NDAs. But the other half said, because it's a great opportunity to collaborate with peers um, on something that's going to further the profession. And we kept getting that response from people when we were talking to them. They just said, it's nice to just work with people rather than just against them. And in an in-house environment particularly, it's really mm -hmm. rare that you get the opportunity to work with a lawyer. You're usually working against another lawyer, so either in a negotiation or a dispute. So just having that opportunity to collaborate towards adding value to your own profession, I think is very empowering. And um, I, I, I just think that the time now is ripe because we're uh, after COVID, we all kind of became, became a bit isolated in our own living rooms and kitchens. Just having that opportunity to come together is uh, something that's, yeah, ripe. Yeah, totally. And you're right, other kind of um, teams in the business or whatever have had, had similar things for, for years and years and years, and it's been quite a foundational part of their of what they do and how they learn and where they find knowledge so it's yeah you're right it's I mean it makes total sense when you think about it it's quite astonishing that it's maybe taken us so long to get here um so it's amazing that you're that you're spearheading that initiative and people will be sure to find um value in that I have no doubt what are the kind of foundational principles behind clause stack the foundational principles behind clause stack um so effectively the, the, the way that contracts work today is completely broken, in my view. You have really complicated, complex agreements, very, very long. And the reason is that over the next, the, the last kind of 10 to 20 years, what we've done is we've taken a very risk-averse risk approach to contracts. So every time there was, there was any sort of case law or new regulation that came along, instead of just relying on that or taking a more sensible approach to the risk involved, we have included more and more and more words in our agreements to make the agreements total risk annihilators. It's not possible to annihilate risk, even if you put it in an agreement. So what you're ending up doing is just fattening up that agreement to the extent that it's just not a workable document. So when an agreement hits a lawyer's desk in an in-house environment, particularly, it's a 100-page agreement for a SaaS product. It's just a very laborious process. And the stuff that you're reading isn't always pertinent to what it is that you're doing. So we need to rethink the way we do contracts, particularly now where businesses are growing faster and we live in a digital era. There's more deals going on and we just can't work with them. And that's, that, there's evidence to support that, which is the fact that lots of lawyers uh, in-house again have things like matrices that say, if it's under 20K, I'm not reading the agreement. Well, that just shows you that the agreement is not fit for purpose if you can't read it. You know, at which point have we just said, let's just sign mm -hmm. this because 
I'd rather take the risk instead of, instead of taking the time to read it. Whereas if it was succinct, you'd be going into it with your eyes wide open. And that, and that inability to consume all that information and process all the contracts that you've got, is, it just creates this insecurity in you about how you're doing your job. So it kind of creates mm -hmm. a friction for you, stress. It's not, it's not fulfilling for the person. So there's a business problem, which is the fact that mm -hmm. they're really expensive and laborious and take ages, and you might be taking undue risk. And then there's the personal problem, which is as a lawyer, you're not really fulfilled by your role if you don't feel like you're doing a thorough job, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So the reason I think that contracts are broken are, um, are firstly the fact that contracts to date have been considered the intellectual property of law firms and legal tech companies. They're not open sourced. They, uh, they're proprietary. And actually, if you think about it, the whole business world hangs off a bunch of contracts. That's all, that's all businesses are. So how mm -hmm. can we say that they're proprietary? What's in there that deserves protection from an IP perspective? Mm -hmm. Not much, but the fact that each law firm has been hoarding their own agreements and their own templates and using that and selling that as value has made it impossible for us to innovate and to make these things better. So if we open source them, then that would allow people to improve them, to work on them, to collaborate, to share knowledge, to think about ways to make them better. So that's one thing. And the other thing is that there are no standards really in the commercial contracts world. There are standards in mm. certain industries like ISDA or data protection world where we have the SCCs or the construction world. There are areas in the law that have standards as a staple, but that's not, mm. that's not everywhere. That's not in the, that's not, that doesn't apply to the general commercial world. And mm. what happens when you don't have standards is that you end up being in a situation where you've got an MSA or you've got a playbook that sets out what you'd agree to in an MSA and the other side has one as well. And each, each party will take a very um, favorable view towards themselves. Then you enter into a, a conversation with the other side and you do this really expensive dance, which is like a, a red line ping pong, where you're exchanging red lines until you come to somewhere in the middle Whereas if we were to create balanced, fair, easy to read, standard contracts that you enter into from the outset and they're neutral, that would save so much time and money for businesses everywhere. Mm -hmm. So standardization and open sourcing are absolute key to uh, innovating when it comes to, to the contract world. So that's mm -hmm. the philosophy behind ClawStack and those are the things that we want to achieve with it. Um, and those mm -hmm. are the problems that we think we can solve uh, if people get on board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it sounds like the whole process, um, from what I can tell, it's very well kind of thought out process to, to a standardization project. Could you kind of summarize what that might look like and, and kind of, I guess, why you've created it in such a way? Yeah, there's been a lot of thought that's gone into this, actually, and some very long, deep conversations here at TLB around the standardization process because it was really important that we nailed that with one NDA, otherwise we don't think it would work. So there have mm -hmm. been other standardization initiatives, but the way they kind of happened was that uh, someone comes along with a document that they think is really good, and they say, here's a document, this is now a standard. Firstly, just to be clear, that's not a standard. A standard is something that has community consensus that it's a standard, right? It's like if we all had 
our own personal currency, you know, you can't exchange that for value because it wouldn't be a standard currency. Same with contracts. We yep. need consensus in order for that to be the case. So, so the process is as follows. The first thing that we need to consider is whether certain principles need to be in or out of an agreement. And that's because mm -hmm. when, you're a, when you're a lawyer, what you do with your brain when you're reviewing a contract is two things at once. The first is assessing whether you think a certain principle should be in or out. The second is whether you like the drafting and the words that are used to express that principle. But sometimes you get bogged down in the drafting, you don't really think about the principle, mm. and then you just let things in, you know, because you're familiar yep. with the language. So what we want to do with our agreements is keep them succinct. If it's unnecessary mm -hmm. fluff, it shouldn't be in there. But if you start off by looking at the drafting, I don't think we'll get to the result that we want. So what we're doing in the first instance with one DPA is we have broken down a DPA that we think is quite good into a bunch of principles. And we're asking the community mm -hmm. to come and vote on whether they think those principles should be in or out. And within those principles, there are also variations of the same principle. So you can choose the variation that you think is suitable for this sort of agreement. And then mm -hmm. in the second instance, what we're gonna do is we're gonna collect all the votes and see which principles have made the cut and then we will hold a design thinking workshop to bunch up those principles into provisions and agree the structure mm -hmm. of the document. We will then go and draft it with the support of other lawyers, and then we mm -hmm. will put it to our steering committee. We haven't announced our steering committee yet. We're hoping to do that next week, but the steering committee is now has a slightly different function to the steering committee on one NDA. So whereas with one NDA, they helped put together the principles, they helped with the drafting, we now mm -hmm. know that by doing that, you get group think, firstly, if you're all in one room. And secondly, when yeah. you put that document out to the public, that's when you get the real feedback. So we are going mm -hmm. to the community first. And that's another, that's another step towards scalability of this process. Yeah. So we're going to put together the document and we're going to give it to the steer code. And we're going to ask them, as corporates, can you adopt this? Or is there any barrier to you being able to adopt it? Because that's really what we mm -hmm. want from them. We want them to be the first to market to adopt it. We want them to be early adopters. And we want them to yeah. influence others and give a put, you know, influence others in trusting the document. Because if it's good enough for these 10, 20 yeah. big organizations, then you trust it. Mm -hmm. So that's what we yeah, want to use Steerco for. Um, and then once yeah. they give us their feedback, we, we, will cr we will iterate and issue it as version zero. So then the community will have a go at giving us their feedback on the drafting. Then we'll collate all that feedback and then issue it again as version one. And when it's issued as version mm -hmm. one, then people can download it and use it. Yeah. No, I love that. And we've spoken about it before, obviously, we did a whole podcast on, on legal design and it just makes sense, the whole iteration process, which isn't something that um, lawyers are generally taught to do in law school, but is certainly with initiatives like this becoming much more common. And I think that's where you're going to end up with the really good, really valuable um, contracts, for example, in this instance. So that's, yeah, super cool. And I love that you're yeah. taking a community first approach as well, and then using the, the Steerco as more of a sense check almost, rather than being, being led that way. Um, but yeah, if you can gather adoption, um, from those organizations, obviously, because they generally have the, the power to enforce their templates, I suppose, onto counterparts. So yeah, yeah a great way to, to spread the news as well, I guess, about this standardized um, document, which is pretty cool. 
Absolutely, um, thank you. Um, um, yeah, so what is your kind of vision for the, the future um, of Clause Stack then, I suppose? I know you've touched on the initiative, one um, DPA that you're working on at the moment. Well, I'd like to normalise standardisation, really. That's the main driver behind this. Coming together mm -hmm. to create standards and new standards and iterate on them to make them better and better is, I think, the thing that's going to really change the way that we do law, that we do contracts, that we work in in-house environments. I think it can be really impactful and disruptive to the status quo. Mm -hmm. So the vision is that we get to a point where it's actually not cool to use your own template. You have to use a template that's a, a claw stack template. So that's the end, that's the end goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that people will be able, will, will see uh, the benefits, both financial, but also personal and just time saving to, in, to mm -hmm. incentivize them enough to come to the platform and drive more of this work. It's interesting that you did touch on all the different groups. It really does seem like a win-win-win situation. <laughs> so yeah, can't can't encourage people enough to to go and investigate. Um, and we obviously we've talked a lot around the the benefits um, for lawyers and things, and then we've touched briefly on the the business impact. But I think that's huge as well, right? Um, obviously the the kind of time saved, but the the negotiation phase, like there's just so many so many business impacts. Obviously, we're on the Legal Means Business podcast, so again, slightly biased there. But I don't know if you want to just kind of highlight it once in a summary the kind of business impact for I using mean, something like that. The business like impact is huge of this because. The current way we contract delays deals, it makes salespeople angry, it costs a load of money, it damages relationships. If we can find a way to accelerate contracting, then first of all, there's an immediate impact to your bottom line because you're contracting quicker. There is an impact on your, on your teams because they're able to work more autonomously without constantly having to rely on lawyers. You're spending less money on your legal team and you're deploying them on more strategic initi initiatives. It's just, it's a massive win-win. And also, you know, it's not the best, it's not the best start to a relationship, to a commercial relationship, hitting someone with a hundred page contract. So mm -hmm. having that, that ability to contract really quickly in a slick way is really, really good for business. And I think that's the thing that, that's the message that we need to be driving to get this stuff to become mainstream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's exciting. Very exciting. Um, and just to finish up, I guess, how can people get involved? What can they do? Where can they go um, to get involved yeah. with Clause Stack? Glad you asked. So if you go to <laughs> clausestack.com, you can create an account. It's free and you can log in and you can go and collaborate on open projects. As I said, there's only one open now, but there will be more. You can go to the library, you can download documents and you can get involved with the community. And don't forget to say hi. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure lots of people will um, certainly be signing up and joining the, the masses that you already have. So thank you so much for sharing all about Clause Stack um, and the vision and the way the industry is going, really. So it's an exciting time. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Steph. Appreciate it. <laughs>